Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Bill Werner gives us a closer look at the governor's proposal of six weeks paid parental leave for state employees. Tasha Radel shines a light on the growing problem of teen suicide. And Mike Grimm previews the NHL Stadium Series at TCF Bank Stadium. But first, late this week, the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension turned its investigation files on the Jamar Clark shooting over to Hennepin County prosecutors for review. Earlier in the week, the ACLU of Minnesota and Minneapolis NAACP sued the state BCA to force the release of footage from the fatal police shooting of Clark. The Minnesota ACLU's Chuck Samuelson. The public has been waiting and waiting to find out what happened? It's enough. It's time. 24-year-old Jamar Clark was shot and killed by Minneapolis police on November 15th last year. Witnesses at the scene say Clark was handcuffed and unarmed at the time of his shooting. Since then, the community of North Minneapolis, activists, and city and state leaders have demanded that tapes that are part of the BCA investigation into Clark's death be released. We want the tapes released now. Jamar deserves justice. Nakima Levy-Pounds is president of the Minneapolis NAACP. It's our honor to stand in solidarity with the ACLU of Minnesota in demanding that the tapes be released in the shooting death of Jamar Clark. As many of you are aware, community members stood in front of the 4th Precinct for 18 days demanding justice for Jamar Clark and release of the videotapes. We know that there is a, has been a huge breach of trust between the Minneapolis Police Department and the African-American community. In 2015, everyone who was killed by the Minneapolis Police Department was African-American. This is a signal that there are deep-seated issues within the Minneapolis Police Department and how it treats its African-American residents. As an unarmed 24-year-old African-American man, we believe firmly that Jamar Clark should not have died on the night of November or the early morning of November 15th, 2015. We again demand justice. We demand release of the tapes. We demand that our community be taken seriously, that we be respected by the Minneapolis Police Department and the powers that be. We also believe that it is in the public's interest to know what happened to Jamar Clark. We should not have to wait over a year, as in the case of Laquan McDonald in Chicago, for us to find out what happened between the Minneapolis Police Department and Jamar Clark. This young man was shot in the head. It's, it's left a gaping wound in our entire community and his family is still very heavily grieving the loss of Jamar Clark. We do not want to see tragedies like this happen again. So we stand in solidarity with the ACLU with the African-American community and our allies across the state and across this country, asking that the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension do the right thing and release the tapes in the shooting death of Jamar Clark. As of this report, the BCA has not released the tapes. Levy Pounds explains why she feels the breach of trust exists between African-Americans and police. The fact that officers would be allowed to engage in excessive force against residents of North Minneapolis and not be held accountable has played a role um, in a culture that allows abuse to take place. The fact that our city attorney's office has um, settled millions in excessive force complaints 
um, has also played a role and the city council has approved uh, those lawsuits being settled. So when you have a situation in which officers are not adequately being um, held accountable, coupled with um, lots of large payouts and excessive force complaints, you create the type of culture and climate that makes it okay for a person like Jamar Clark, who is unarmed, to not only be killed at the hands of police, but to be demonized by the, the media and in the public sphere, which I think is, is really unfortunate and unacceptable in our state. Catherine Allen is one of the attorneys behind the suit against the BCA, and she says video surveillance has already been shown to the public, specifically Governor Dayton. We do believe that in showing the video to the governor, um, who is a member of the public as well as being the governor, that it was released to a member of the public. And um, that is evidence that there is not a investigatory reason for withholding the video at this time. Nikima Levy-Pound says there is some reason for hope moving forward. Well, one of the things that's promising that um, is beginning to happen is that the Minneapolis Police Department has been selected as one of six cities across the country to be a part of a national initiative, which is a federal initiative that will last for about three years. And the overarching goal is to help revamp and revitalize our police department. There are a number of deficiencies in terms of how the Minneapolis Police Department functions, including the failure to have an operable early warning system. An early warning system is important in circumstances in which an officer is engaging in early conduct that signals that they may have a propensity towards using excessive force. When you have a broken system that's not able to catch escalating officer conduct, then you have circumstances in which people like Jamar Clark are killed, Fong Lee, Terrence Franklin, the list goes on and on in terms of people who've been killed at the hands of the Minneapolis Police Department. County Attorney Mike Freeman indicates although it's difficult to predict how long the process will take, he'd like to have a decision by the end of March on whether charges are brought against the officers involved in the shooting. More Minnesota Matters after this. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? Because I love you! <laughs> <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Alright. Now pass me the new filter. Why? Ha <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Should Minnesota workers be able to take paid leave for the birth of a child, to take care of a loved one who's ill, or to care for aging parents or grandparents? That issue, which has been percolating for quite a while, burst on the scene this week with lawmakers one month away from the start of the 2016 legislative session. MNN's Bill Werner has been covering it. Bill, why all this attention all of a sudden? Scott, what queued it up was a report at the beginning of the week from the University of Minnesota and the State Department of Employment and Economic Development, recommending 
recommending that all Minnesotans have paid family medical leave financed by employee payroll deductions and employer contributions. That proposal brought quick response from the business community. Cam Winton with the Minnesota Chamber. The Minnesota Chamber of Commerce welcomes a conversation about providing great benefits for Minnesota's workers, but we have real concerns about the recommendations in this particular report. Uh, The report just offhandedly dismisses options we think are worth considering for achieving the goals of ensuring that workers have leave, such as a private insurance system or a voluntary system. And instead, the report goes right to recommending a system of government control. Also, the report says, acknowledges that its proposal would raise costs on Minnesota workers and employers. And the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce does not think that is a wise route for achieving a healthy economy for all Minnesotans. That's Cam Winton with the Minnesota Chamber of Commerce. House Democratic Minority Leader Paul Thiessen has a different view. Frankly, the private sector uh, and voluntary options uh, have been the status quo for ever, and they haven't worked. Uh, you know, only a small percentage of employers, and we should applaud those employers, uh, have provided this paid family leave benefit. Uh, what we need to do is make it more accessible for more employers and more employees. That's House Minority Leader Paul Thiessen. The day after the report, Governor Mark Dayton came out with his proposal, paid parental leave for all state employees, but it's clear the governor has his eye on something broader. I think this is a very big step forward. You know, we're, we're going to push it in the legislature. If the legislature, through their initiative, broaden it beyond that, all to the good. But for when you got, what you said, 13% of the state right now has, has paid family leave. We're talking about 87% of the people don't have anything. We have a report recently on the number of people who don't even have paid sick leave. So I mean, I mean, let's get back to reality in terms of the state and the conditions that so many working men and women find themselves in. But we're talking about a state where uh, quality of our workforce is our number one asset. People say this is going to hurt business. This is going to help business. This is going to make better workers more successful, more productive workers, and that means for successful businesses. This has been what we've been pushing in this state for the last five years. Over the opposition of some people who said it's going to destroy the business climate. And in fact, you know, we're told we're the number one state for business. The governor appears to have strong support on the paid employee leave issue from Senate Democratic Majority Leader Tom Bach. The legislature is going to take a broader look at it. Uh, I'm just really pleased that this has emerged in our caucus as a top-tier priority. Republicans do not feel the same way about paid parental leave. Senate Minority Leader David Hahn. I think it represents an addition to a benefit package that is already very generous for state employees. And these, of course, are benefits paid for by taxpayers. And I think most taxpayers don't have these same benefits. But I think uh, to us or to me, uh, it does represent uh, more payback to the political unions that help the governor get elected. I think that's pretty clear. But the real question I have is why are we not focusing on the big problems that the state faces, like the education achievement gap, the fact that half the people, half the kids in Minneapolis don't even graduate from high school, the fact that we've got a failing miniature system. These are the things that most people in the state are concerned about that need attention, and this governor has been very, very silent about how to fix those things. And Senate Republicans' stance on some sort of a paid uh, family parental leave for state employees this upcoming session sounds like 
they're going to be bills. Um, how how will your caucus vote on that? Do you think? Well, I think we're going to have to wait to see what the bills are and in the context of the other proposals the governor has uh, or will suggest. And, and when they come to the legislature, we'll debate them. But we are concerned about the fact that uh, we are not focusing on the big issues we face in the state. That's Senate Minority Leader David Hahn. But other stakeholders are pushing for broader employee paid leave than the governor proposed. Seth Buffelli with AARP Minnesota says it should not just be for new parents. We really applaud Governor Dayton's proposal and recognize that this is a very important first step. Um, but it's just a first step. You know, we need to keep going. We have to ensure that all Minnesotans, not just state employees, have the same access. And we also need to keep going and make sure that this doesn't just apply to workers who have young children, but it includes workers who are caring for loved ones of all ages, whether it be a spouse or a parent or, or a loved one. And why is that so important? Yeah, you know, really when you look at it, already in our state we have nearly 600,000 uh, individuals who are unpaid family caregivers. So they're caring for a spouse, an adult relative, a loved one, or a friend. And many of those people are still working. They face all the same challenges um, that parents of young children do if that loved one has to go to a doctor's appointment, if they have to go into the hospital, if they need a ride somewhere. They, they face those same challenges. And just like you can't take a toddler to work, a lot of times you can't take a 90-year-old to work either. And so we need to recognize that like this is an issue that a lot of people in our, in our state face. And as our state continues to get older and older, it's just going to continue to be an issue going forward. Um, there is a proposal um, that, that we're hopeful the legislature will take a serious look at to create a paid family leave insurance program um, that would apply to every worker and, and allow them to access that benefit to take care of family members across the lifespan. That's Seth Buffelli with AARP Minnesota. So a lot of different approaches, and we'll see if any of them move forward at the legislature in this election year. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woohoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you. And discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. 
Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week, MNN's Tasha Radel takes a look at a growing health concern, teen suicide. Unless you've walked in their shoes, you would never know the overwhelming feelings of sadness, anxiety, and hopelessness that cause hundreds of students to take their own lives. The number of students we lose to suicide every year would fill an entire high school. We need to start the conversation about good mental health. Help us reverse attitudes and save lives. The life that you save might be your own or someone you love. Did you know suicide is the third leading cause of death for young people ages 15 to 24 after accidents and homicide? It's also thought that at least 25 attempts are made for every completed teen suicide. To help me tackle this complex topic is Dr. Dan Reidenberg, Executive Director of Minnesota-based SAVE, Suicide Awareness Voices of Education. He's also the Managing Director of the National Council for Suicide Prevention and the U.S. Representative to the International Association of Suicide Prevention. So, Dr. Reidenberger, are we seeing similar teen suicide trends here in Minnesota when compared to the rest of the country? We do lose too many people to suicide, uh, whether it is young people or uh, middle-aged adults or, or senior citizens. Um, actually, the, the lowest number of people uh, fall into the youth category when we look at all suicides. Uh, but we also um, tend to hear lots more in the news about uh, young people dying by suicide because most often we don't lose young people. They, they just don't die. And so it's a, it's a great tragedy when we lose a young person uh, that just uh, is, is struggling and, and can't seem to wait, find their way through it and doesn't get the help that they need. And, you know, I've been, I know you've been really instrumental and you've created a, a website kind of about some of the warning signs. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So youth suicide warning signs dot org uh, was a site that uh, I just released last September at World Suicide Prevention Day as part of a, a large international uh, coalition. We brought together uh, experts from around the world to look at what are the true warning signs of suicide for young people that had never really been uh, looked at before. We had always used the warning signs for adults and tried to adapt them for youth, but it didn't work very well. So we went and uh, not only talked to experts and did literature reviews, looked at all the science, but we went to youth and we went to parents who had lost uh, a, a child to suicide and we went to young people who had attempted suicide to try to determine what were the true, in fact, warning signs of youth suicide. And those are the consensus-based warning signs. They are the best practice at looking at what are youth suicide warning signs. And, you know, was there anything that stuck out in your mind on the, on the difference between youth and, let's say, adults or the elderly? 
Um, well, the, the things that really stick out are that uh, we know that uh, depression, for example, is uh, is fairly common uh, of, between people that die by suicide. About 60% of youth and adults have depression. But for young people, some of those symptoms appear very different. Uh, there's a lot more impulsivity, there's a lot more anxiety, uh, and there's a lot more withdrawal. Uh, from peers uh, than there is for adults. For example, adults might uh, withdraw from work uh, or from family settings, but peers uh, uh, tend to be more impacted uh, for youth suicide. We also know that youth uh, tend not to communicate their intent quite the same way as adults do. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that we want people to pay attention to. Uh, I would say the biggest thing, however, is this uh, uh, um, expression of just unbearable, uh, terrible emotional pain and anguish that won't go away. Although that's experienced by both young people and adults, uh, young people uh, express it very differently. And I guess any advice for parents out there that, uh, you know, might have a teen that perhaps is showing some of these signs? Sure. Well, the first thing is uh, to ask the question. Uh, we want people to know that it is safe to ask uh, somebody uh, if they're thinking about suicide or if they've had thoughts about suicide. It's not going to put a thought into their head. It's not going to lead them down that path anymore. Uh, we actually know from research that it's going to uh, give them a sense of relief and, and it's going to give them a sense that somebody is, is seeing that something's going on and they need to get some help. So the first thing is asking the question. The second thing is is listening and doing so non-judgmentally, not being critical about that, um, uh, trying to open up the conversation and engage them to to get some help uh, and go with them for help. Uh, we don't want people to be left alone at that most uh, difficult time. The third thing I would say is to make sure that uh, they're safe. So taking away keys to a car that they might uh, take and drive and leave very quickly or access to uh, firearms or other lethal means of, of suicide, even if it's uh, alcohol that might be in the house or uh, pills that might be around, we want to make sure that their environment is safe. So all of those kinds of things are critically important if somebody's worried about somebody. All right. Well, lots of great information, Dan. Anything else you'd like to add today that I didn't touch on? I think the most important thing is is that uh, we don't want people to think there's an epidemic of suicide because there really isn't an epidemic. It doesn't mean that we don't have a problem because we do. There are a lot of kids that are really struggling with emotional and behavioral disorders and thought disorders, and we need to get them help. And there is help. It's available, and it works. But uh, we don't want people to th- to, to be afraid to, to reach out or to think that there's nothing that can be done because there are a lot of things that can be done to help young people today. For more information on teen suicide, you can go to Dr. Reidenberg's website, YouthSuicideWarningSigns.org. Again, that's YouthSuicideWarningSigns.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters after this. Your surgery is over. Oh, it's over? What happened? Hi, Mr. Detweiler. Dr. Newman here. You have a new knee. It went great. You'll be up and around before you know it. And it's all because of you. Uh, what did I do? You were captain of Team Detweiler. You told us everything we needed to know. Your medical history, your allergies and prescription meds. You asked me tons of questions. 
what your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even ask me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh. I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota Wild hockey fans are eagerly awaiting the NHL Stadium Series weekend, which is now only a week away. Minnesota hosts the Chicago Blackhawks at TCF Bank Stadium on the U of M campus Sunday, February 21st. Alumni players from the Wild, North Stars, and Blackhawks will play a throwback game on February 20th. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm joins us now. And Mike, the excitement level in the state of hockey is rising about this big event, which is expected to draw more than 50 50,000 fans. Scott, that excitement level has only increased this week as the changeover from football stadium to outdoor hockey rink got underway. Ice will be going down in slow stages over the next handful of days, and National Hockey League Executive Vice President of Events Don Renzulli says the overall setup covers roughly 10 days. We start with Armor Deck. That's the white stuff that you see going on the field. That really gives us the ability to drive out on the field with forklifts, and all the equipment that we have to bring out. Once that goes down, we do stage decking in the middle, which is underneath the rink. Once we get a level surface, then we put three-quarter inch plywood down. From there, um, the panels go down. So we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 280 panels that are 30 feet long by about three feet wide. They go down, they're aluminum, and there's all piping in between them. They all connect. We connect the pipes to that. They'll load up the truck with the glycol, and we'll start to get that going at the same time they're running all the pipes we start putting up the dasher boards so once we get the dasher board set dan will get the truck running we'll fill it with glycol start to get the floor cold they'll slush all the joints and then once that's done and he, he feels it's comfortable and it's frozen then he just starts laying water he'll do that for um, probably three days friday through monday when he gets probably about an inch of ice at that point he'll spray it white and then at that point, he'll work on logos. He'll, he'll seal the white in, and then he'll build up a little bit more, and then he'll drop the logos in. Mm -hmm. um, when that gets all done, you basically got your rink set, and they'll get the glass and stuff in. While that's going on, then we start building out around the rink with everything else, so our stages, all the decor. Um, the decor will have something on the outside of the scoreboard. We'll also have the whole field wall done and the fascias inside. And then we have a big panel that's going on the far side, 50, probably goes from 35 to 35. Mm -hmm really create the big look and then we're going to build out in the band area that's going to be a stage um, we're bringing in a lot of evergreen trees we're going to have uh, some areas that look like ponds since you guys have a few yeah, ponds in, yeah. in this state so we're really trying to give it a look and that's one of the key things is dan concentrates on the ice and what he's got to do to get that done and then we support him with everything else around so when you get to that point we'll work into it um, couple days prior, we'll invite the teams and their families to come out and skate for an, uh, for an hour. The following day, they each get an hour of practice time, and then we'll come into that same day. We have the alumni game that night or late afternoon, and then we come into game day. And then you're ready for hockey. What um, I know you've done baseball stadiums, you've done football stadiums. Does it? Uh, how much you have to pay attention to, okay, fans are going to be sitting there, so we have to set certain things up here. And is a football stadium easier than maybe a baseball park? Uh, I think the sight lines to some degree are better because, you know, in a football stadium, we'll always center it on the field. Um, when you're in a baseball stadium, we typically go first to third, and we start behind the pitcher's mound. 
But if you drew a straight line across the back of the dasher boards, that's the majority of your fans. So we try to keep it tucked in as much as we can. And we, we know there's still seats on the outside, but football, also their first seats in the first row start a lot higher than baseball. So baseball, you're typically on the ground or, or somewhat elevated. So in a lot of ways, football gives you a better sight line, but there are some very unique aspects of a baseball stadium also. What's it like for you? I know the players have to be thrilled when they uh, hit the ice and there's 50,000-plus people cheering. It kind of gives that football or baseball feel, if you will. Um, but for you, I mean, this is kind of your baby as well. You put everything up when you walk out on that uh, Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday and you see all those folks. Uh, it's got to give you a good feeling. Yeah, it does. And a lot of people on my staff and a lot of the other departments work really hard throughout the year to really create something special. This is, I think, our 17th outdoor game that a lot of us have worked on. So everybody's kind of doing their own thing, and they all look to make things better, which is, is not a cookie cutter, and we walk out and we look at things. How can we do this better? How can we do that better? Why didn't we do this? So we, we really work with each other to try to create something special, and I think when you walk out, you really get that feel. Certainly there are challenges with outdoor hockey. It's not as simple as, uh, you, you know, the ice stays frozen. Uh, weather plays a big factor. If you could wave a magic wand, what would you like to see on the 20th and the 21st weather-wise? 32 degrees and overcast and maybe some snow showers in there would be a great day. Um, you know, Mother Nature just plays her cards the way she wants, and we, we kind of deal with them after that. Um, and, and we've gone through it all. We've gone through uh, rain in Pittsburgh. We've gone through sun in New York and Philadelphia where we had to postpone and push the game, the start of the game back. And then we've had a lot of snow in Chicago and, uh, and Michigan. So kind of dealt with all of it. And in fact, you had a game in L.A., right, under sun. How, but what kind of a challenge was that? Well, we did. that was actually a night game, and the ice crew worked all through the night, and then they covered the ice during the day, and we, we reflected the sun off of it. So um, when we dropped the puck, I think it was about 60, 61 degrees out there, but it was a great night. Sun was down, and it worked out great. Very good. Uh, enjoy the uh, next uh, few weeks, and uh, have a, a great, successful evening on the 20th and 21st. Great. Thank you, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this. That's the NHL's Don Renzulli, who says about 20,000 gallons of water will be used to create the very best ice service they can possibly form for the festivities. The ice will be about two to two and a half inches thick. For more information regarding the stadium series between the Wild and Blackhawks, fans can log on to the Wild webpage. Scott? Thank you, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.